Open your Bibles with me. We're going to be looking at Hebrews today. I got a bunch of scriptures, so just bear with me. They'll all be on the screen, but just to kind of hold your thumb in Hebrews there. I preached this to my wife on Saturday. She told me to slow down. I said, they'll speed listen. <laughs> you walk in this place this morning, you're probably carrying something with you that you didn't realize you were carrying. It's probably a little bit of discouragement. It's probably something that you haven't realized that you were carrying and you've been holding on to for a while. When you become discouraged, you kind of get bitter. You kind of hold some resentment against somebody who's discouraged you or you've You've come against something and you've, you just don't know how to deal with it. So maybe you isolate yourself. You turn yourself away from some aspect of your life you don't, you don't necessarily want to deal with. In today's world, it's almost imperative. It's almost easy to isolate yourself from anyone. You can order groceries online and have them delivered to your house. You don't even have to step out of the door. We have cell phones, we have email, we have Twitter, we have Facebook, all ways to communicate with people without ever even seeing them. No matter how connected you are technically in this world, as the tech pastor I can say that, it seems that we are getting less connected personally. That's not what God intended, church. In fact, the Bible tells us that when God first made man, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. He's not just talking about a spouse. It's not good for man to be alone. In Genesis 2, 18, it says, we were made with the desire to connect, to belong. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you belong? We... Uh, on the announcements just a while ago, you've seen a, a slide about the Belong card. It's our membership opportunity here at Christ's Legacy. If you're not a member, can I encourage you to become a member of Christ's Legacy? What that simply does is it says, I'm here, Pastor Brooks. I'm here, Pastor Henry. I'm here, Pastor John. I'm here. I'm with you guys. I'm 100% for you. I'm going to support you. That's what that membership card says. I want to belong. I want to be a community with you guys, with this church, with this fellowship. And one of the words in the Bible that expresses this togetherness, the sharing ourselves, is a word called fellowship. It's a fellowship. We're a fellowship. The Assemblies of God is a fellowship of believers. Experiencing that fellowship is important because life has a way of bringing us down. We get discouraged. In Proverbs 17, it says, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. When we're discouraged, we're not everything that we need to be. We have a broken spirit. We're hurting inside. And sometimes our strength is zapped from us and we don't have the strength to carry on because of discouragement. And once in a while, we sit alone in a meeting place 
And we hear about people and things going on like we do at staff meeting. We, we talk about our congregation. We talk about life issues going on in families and here at the church. And I go away from that and I walk away from that and I'm hearing things that are happening from that. And I go back and I sit in my office and I, th- I get overwhelmed with discouragement because something bad is happening in a family's life. They lost a loved one. They uh, having marriage issues. They're having financial problems. Their job isn't going well. Whatever it may be. Life has a way of tearing us down. And when we're discouraged, what happens? We complain. We start feeling sorry for ourselves. We even turn bitter. We isolate ourselves. And sometimes we get so discouraged, we stop going to church. We've all been there in our lives. We've stopped going to church where we know that we need to be the most. We stop going. It's sad when we do that. Because we need to be here amongst fellow believers in Christ. Point number one. Why do we need to encourage each other? There's a reason why as Christians we need to be connected about and encouraging one another. In John it tells us, By this all will know that you are my disciples. And if you have love for one another, you remember the scripture, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's because he loved us. He first loved us. And Jesus, he stepped out of glory world because God wanted him to. He didn't have to do it. He decided to do it. He came down here on earth, was birthed, became a man, preached the gospel, and they hated him for it. They crucified him, and he died. But he loved us. Apostle Paul says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. Jesus said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. That is the first and the greatest commandment. What's the second greatest commandment? Is to love your neighbor as yourself. It's easy to love me. It is so easy to love me. Right? We all say that. I can do that no problem. But it's that person next to me that I might have a problem with. A lot of people don't understand what Christianity is all about. It's about relationship. Our relationship with God, which is vertical. And then it's about horizontal. That person near you, across the church from you, that person over there. There's a famous abolitionist named William Wilberforce. I've been wanting to say that all day. I got to say it in the first service. I hope I said it right. This man wanted to abolish slavery in Britain. He wanted to get rid of it. He knew that that's what he needed to do, and he was pushing for it and pushing for it, and it came to a vote in Britain, and they didn't do it. Then it came around again in a second vote, and they still didn't do it. William Wilberforce became very discouraged. A good friend of his, John Wesley, you ever heard of that name? John Wesley heard of this discouragement 
from William Wilberforce. I just got to say it one more time. He was discouraged, and John heard of it. So he wrote him a letter with a trembling hand. John was on his deathbed, about to die, but he wanted to encourage Mr. Wilberforce. And he said these words. Unless God has raised you up from the very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. You ever felt worn out? You ever felt like man was against you? The devil was against you? But if God, turn to your neighbor and say, but if God. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. The story goes on that Wesley was six days away from dying himself years later. And in 1833, three days before William Wilberforce died, Great Britain decided that they didn't want slavery in their country anymore. What if? What if John Wesley hadn't encouraged William? What if he hadn't said those words and motivated William to go do what he was called to do? Would slavery have passed? Probably so. Maybe years later, maybe months later. But that's what William was here for. Encouragement is important because what's at stake? In this case, it was slavery in Great Britain. But what's at stake for the person that you're encouraging, that you're looking out for? Hebrews 10.25 says that not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. Exhorting, encouraging, and so much more as you see the day approaching. I believe Jesus is coming back soon. That's what it's telling me. Eternity is at stake for every single person you come into contact with. Is that not enough? I believe Jesus is coming back soon. How can we encourage effectively? How are we to do that? And how are we to encourage them effectively? Let me read that one more time. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's what you're doing right now. You're assembled together, like-minded believers, believing in Christ. Here you are doing Scripture in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. Have you exhorted someone today? Have you encouraged them in what their will is and for their life? If you studied the Bible about the church, there are some things the church doesn't do well from a distance. This morning... You were laying in bed and that alarm went off. Or you just woke up and decided to get out of bed. You could have reached over, grabbed the remote, and turned on a television and started watching a TV preacher that's much better than I am. You could have saw a worship service that was phenomenal. Smoke and lights and all kinds of things. You could have done that. You could have laid right there in bed ordered your food from Walmart, and got it all in your home. But you didn't. You decided to come here. 
That's not what church is about, watching it on TV, seeing it from a distance, listening to it from your phone while you're mowing the grass. That's not what church is about. God gave his people to go far beyond just preaching, listening to a worship set. He wants you to fellowship. He wants you to encourage other people. He's called us to be a family. He's called us to be a community. He's called us to fellowship, to know, and to love one another. Again and again, this term in the New Testament, it says, one another. Love one another. Serve one another. Forgive one another. Encourage one another. Just watching it on TV, listening to it on your phone is not enough. The only way that we can effectively encourage one another is committing ourselves to a body of believers, committing ourselves to a church family, committing ourselves to an organization. Not just the sermons or the music, but to live in relationship with the people that are involved in that, just like today. Hebrews 10.24 And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Have you stirred up some love with someone today? Sent them some love? It takes thought to send love. It takes thought to encourage. A person might not be effective one way that you affect another one. How you encourage one doesn't necessarily encourage another. So you need to be effective in that. The Greek word encourage is an interesting word. It's exhorting is how it's used in Scripture. It means to irritate or to incite, to prod or to poke. It's not necessarily what we think of when we hear encourage today, is it? I asked Houston Ferris if I could borrow one of his cattle prods. For the most part, I said, you know what, I don't want to mess with it. It was about five feet long. I didn't want to bring it up here. But we in Oklahoma know what a cattle prod is, right? I was going to have one of you come up here and let me prod you a little bit. I bet I could get whoever it is that came up here, I could get them to do whatever I wanted them to do with that cattle prod. Lay down on the ground. Do jumping jacks. Right? They're going to do it because it hurts. To irritate, to incite, or to prod, to poke. That's what we're supposed to be doing when we encourage someone. Do you think John Wesley prodded, irritate, poked Mr. Wilberforce? He got him to do what was the right thing to do. There's a company... Small business CEO had this company and he was trying to get some insurance, some health care for all of his employees. And he was meeting with different insurance companies and trying to find the right company, the insurance company that would help his people out, offer the health insurance that they needed. So he met with several different ones of them. And one company got him what everything that he wanted. Their only really requirement was that every employee must sign up for this insurance that they were offering. So he went back to his company. The CEO went back and started talking to his human resources department, and he said, let's get this going, and let's do this for several weeks. 
So they sat down, they got it going, got it going in the company. And on the last day of the signups, the CEO went back to the human resource department and he said, hey, is everybody signed up? And the leader there, he said, no, not, not everybody signed up. We got one guy left. We'll call him Sam. Sam hadn't signed up. And he said, I need to see Sam in my office immediately. Sam was a young man. Maybe probably didn't think he needed insurance. He walked into the CEO's office and he sat down and began to talk with the CEO. And the CEO said, listen, young man, I'm needing everyone in this business to sign up for this insurance policy. And he slid the paper across to him with a pen and he said, I really need you to fill this out today. He said, I've, I've went out and I've got all this done and every employee has to sign up for this insurance policy. A young man kind of looked at him and he said, you know, if you, if you can't sign up for this policy today, today is your last day. And the young man began to fill out the paperwork and he got it all filled out and got it ready. And he slid it back to the CEO and he said, here you go. And the CEO said, well, let me just ask you one question before you go today. How come you didn't sign up for this insurance policy? And the young man looked at him and he said, no one ever quite explained it to me just like you did. <laughs> the CEO incited, he irritated, he prodded the young man to do what was right. You know, some people are gifted in this spiritual gift of encouragement. Some of you can naturally encourage others. It just rolls off your tongue. I've spent time with you, you who are encouragers. I feel better when I walk away from you because you're an encourager. Pastor Martin mentioned a while ago a lady named Barbara Farley. Barbara was an encourager. How many people know who she is? Quite a few of you. You would agree with me that she's an encourager. I visited her the day before she died in the hospital. She was laying in a bed, had an oxygen mask on her face. She was trying to talk and she was trying to encourage on her last day. That was Barbara's way. Romans 12.8 says, He who exhorts, he who is an encourager, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. That was Barbara. If you have this gift of encouraging, it just rolls off of your tongue. Let me encourage you. You're a vital part of the ministry here at Christ's Legacy. It is who we are because of what you do. But for the rest of us, it doesn't come so easy you have to plan it. You have to let it come to you and be prayerful and mindful about encouraging. You have to do it. If your mailbox at your home is like my mailbox, I get a lot of things in my mailbox that I don't want. Is that how your mailbox is? You usually grab that stuff out of that mailbox and it's a bunch of ads, it's, it's credit card applications, it's all these things that you don't want. What is it like when you go to that mailbox around your birthday? You get a birthday card and, and you're like, wow, this is cool. Somebody sent me a card and there's $20 in it. That's encouraging, right? 
Or maybe it's your child's card and grandma sent a card and you run back in the house and you give that card to your granddaughter or your daughter and and they're excited to get a card. Whoever sent that card was mindful. They were thinking of someone else besides themselves. They were lifting you up and encouraging you. It took days for that card to get to you, but they were thoughtful about it. That's ways you can encourage One of the most effective ways to encourage someone is to write them a note. We don't do that enough today. A handwritten note, when's the last time you saw one? It's been a while. A handwritten note. How about the telephone? I get text messages about 7 o'clock in the morning, every morning. There's a lady in our church. She reads a scripture. She puts that scripture and puts it on a background of a picture of a scenery of some sort. And then she, below that, she sends out a little message and she talks about that scripture and how it blessed her or how it's going to encourage you for that day. It's mindful. It's thinking about somebody else besides yourself. I appreciate those messages from that lady. It's encouraging me. How about the telephone? Calling someone, not doing business, but just calling someone to encourage them, to give them some encouragement in their day. You know that they've been going through something. Sometimes the best way to encourage someone else is to just listen. How about call someone and just say, hey, let's go have lunch. I know what you've been going through. Sit down and listen to them. Let them spill it all out. Give them words of encouragement. Just by them releasing everything inside of them, incites them. It gives them opportunities to let it all out. It pulls them out of isolation just by listening. The Bible says, think of ways to encourage one another. Put some thought into it. The second principle of encouraging effectively How often should we encourage? Scripture's very clear. It's really easy. It says in Hebrews 3, but exhort one another daily. Do it every single day. And then it goes on and says, while it's called today, it's like, hey, knucklehead, (laughs) do it every day, even while it's today. Least any of you be hardened. Through the deceitfulness of sin. Encouragement is a daily action. This means encouraging even when there's very little to say to encourage. Another story about another church that had a choir. They had a choir loft. And there was a lady just like this Barbara Farley that I spoke of. She was in that church and she encouraged everyone in there. Everybody knew if you were feeling down, just go see this lady. She'll lift you right up. Well, one day she was sitting in church and the choir began to walk in. I'll just say that the choir had a lot to be desired. They sang off key. They didn't wear the right clothes. They looked, you know, there just wasn't a whole lot there. Well, the lady saw him coming in, and she leaned over to her neighbor, and she said, My, they're walking in nicely today. If you don't have anything else to say, just say something encouraging. 
Aren't they walking in well this morning? The reason we need to encourage every day is simple. Make it a regular habit. Be habitual about it. When you came in this morning, you probably carried in some baggage with you this morning. You woke up this morning, and instead of turning on the TV and deciding to watch church on TV, you said, I'm going to come to church. Going to go to Christ's legacy. I'm going to sit there and listen to some great music and hear some preaching. But before you did all of that, you said, I'm going to pick out something to wear. I'm going to grab some clothes. And you go in your closet and you pull that shirt out or that dress or that pair of pants. And you say, man, that makes me look fat. No way. I'm not going to wear that at all. Not today. I've been eating way too much. And you put that back. You grab something else and you pull that out. And you said, yep, this is going to make me look thin today. I'm going to wear that to church. Everybody's going to compliment me on how thin I am. You stand in front of that mirror and you look at yourself and you say, yep. This will be the last time you get to do this for a while because today's it, you know. So you look at yourself and you say, yep, this did exactly what it was intended to do. It makes me look thin. Brush your teeth, comb your hair, do all of that. Come in here and you walk in here and then somebody's sitting in your seat where you sit normally in church. My goodness, what am I going to do now? So you go on the other side of the church and you sit way over there hoping that they'll see you because you're not sitting where you normally sit because they're sitting where you sit. That's all communication in your head, right? And you walked in with that. Maybe last night on Saturday night, you started arguing with your spouse and you went to bed and you went to bed arguing, mad at each other. Because, you know, it's probably not a good idea to end an argument right before you go to bed because you're tired, you're hungry, you're sleepy, you're all these things. And so you go to bed and you wake up today and you come in here today thinking about that argument still. You go to lunch, and you're probably going to finish the argument, right? That's baggage. That's stuff we carry in. Let me just tell you, your words of encouragement that I've been talking about, it dispels discouragement. I look fat is discouraging. Maybe I look skinny is discouraging. The argument that you had with your spouse is discouraging. This is not what I want, but this is what we got. Encouragement dispels discouragement. Henry Combe. Our group life. We have group life on second and fourth Sundays of the month. We have this app on our phones called the Group Me app. Tons of people use this, baseball teams, bands, all these people use this app. And all it is is just a group texting service. You know, a bunch of people join it and they talk on it. Well, we use this in our group life to communicate what we're going to be doing that night, what food we're going to be serving at at group life. Most of the time it's Mexican because that's what Pastor Dave likes. Sometimes we talk about what we're going to have for dessert. Pastor Dave likes chocolate, so a lot. We have chocolate a lot. That's okay. But throughout the week, not just on Saturday night when we're planning what we're going to do the next day, but throughout the week, you're going to see stuff come across this GroupMe app that talks about someone losing a job. What I love to see is the whole group starts saying, hey, we're praying for you. 
I've seen somebody lose a job and on a text message, this group me app, get another job within a matter of minutes. Hey, I know somebody's looking for a job. I know they, they need you. You would be good in this job. Then the next group day that we're together, we heard that that person got that job and was hired. I've seen people talk about their marriage. Hey, we're having a rough time. You guys pray for us. And they pray for them. Losing a spouse. I've seen uh, talking about their children, their grandchildren, hurting and dying inside. Finances. All of this stuff. This happens in group life. It's not just a great program where we go and we fellowship and eat and talk. Pastor Brooks calls group life living life together. I think that's what scripture is telling us is to live life together. Be be part of this fellowship. Come in here and do these things that we're doing because scripture is right. It's good for you. Encouragement dispels discouragement.